Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. We're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs as we run through February. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry trying to get to spring and trying to get in back into movie theaters once again. Lots to talk about today. We're going to go back 20 years ago and look at our top 10 films from the year 2001. Uh, we'll go back and uh, rank the 10 of our favorite films from 20 years ago, plus some movie news out there, a couple of movie trailers. Chuck and I, I would like to talk about as well. We'll do Fast Five. And uh, we both, in a rare occurrence, have seen a relatively new movie during the same week that we can actually review together and uh, bring in Chuck Curry here. Chuck, I don't remember the last time the two of us seen a new movie the same week at the same, maybe, maybe probably Wonder Woman, I guess, would have been the last time we did. Yeah, it. probably. And other than that, it might have been... Uh post-pandemic yeah it, way that back is for now sure. it might have been a few others but uh it, you know it's hard to believe mike it is a a year since yeah. the pandemic took us by uh a surprise storm uh yep. it's and, just uh, hard to believe and um still no i mean we are getting movies released in theaters we'll go through uh this week nomadland got a water release it's in theaters um the mauritanian is also in limited release as well uh, in theaters, Chuck, but nothing huge. Tom and Jerry will be theaters and HBO Max next week. And then uh, again, we're all pointing towards uh, the end of April and early May with the bigger ones, with Black Widow being the first to Well, believe. you got Congress Godzilla, though. Yeah, Congress by Godzilla will be a, a dual May 31st. Release as well, I mean, yeah. uh, March 31st. So, um, Chuck, let's talk about a movie uh, that did play in theaters, uh, but uh, you and I finally, you know, I think our price break on uh, are, is the same on apple plus or, or streaming a new movie right around six bucks once it gets to six dollars you and i 20 i won't go for i agree six, i think is the price break for me yeah 5.99 it's a psychological below six dollar price point uh it, it certainly makes the buyer i think impulsive i just got before we talk about this i just want to you bring up a good point now i'm going down i use blue ridge cable out of pennsylvania right so I'm looking at all these movies that are available to buy in the in the five ninety nine, three ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine price range, and I got to tell you, I don't know who's buying ninety percent of these movies. Like, who's, I, you, who's buying Bar? Heard, you, you, who's buying Barb and Star? Go to Vista Del Mar for twenty dollars. Who's doing that? I, I mean, I, I like Christine Wiig like he, as much as the next but guy. He, but even the other, even some of the other stuff that's a lower price point. You've never heard of this stuff. You know, it's schlock. I, I mean, I don't I don't. This is a perplexing marketplace. I don't really understand it. Who's paying it? I don't know. Other than if it's a high profile movie that, yet yeah, you know, or something that's got really good buzz that, that lights a fire under you to say, you know what? I got to I, I hear about this. I want to watch this. So, you know, Greenland got good buzz. So I and I like this genre, love disaster genre. And I know how big a fan you are, Gerard Butler. So uh, I, I said to myself, you know what? Let's you know, like I like you said. No, I'm not going. I'm not going twenty bucks. I'm not. But five ninety nine, y'all do it. 
Yeah. And, 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 it, and it was the right price point. And, and I will say this, as we dive into this movie, disaster movie about uh, asteroids hitting the earth and, and everybody trying to migrate to Greenland. And uh, I will say this, it might be the most grounded and best work I've seen Gerard Butler do. I, I really enjoyed his performance in this. And I really enjoyed this motion picture. I thought it was done very well. It's done as realistic as a movie can be about uh, what the world would be like if we found out we pretty much had 48 hours to live. That's what surprised me about it. Go ahead. And and it, it starts off and plays a lot like a Twilight Zone episode early on. And I didn't know if it would depart from the small town that they were in. And it was just going to be, you know, that type, kind of movie. But it does get bigger in scope. Um, and I really I, I got to watch. I, I watch this, uh, you know, with a with a really funny feeling in my gut that I was really rooting for this family. Um, it's done very well, well directed, um, well paced. Uh, you care about this family. You care about Gerard Butler's character. But most importantly, Chuck, what I really liked most about this film was his wife. And she's, I thought I was surprised how good she was. in this She film. was very good in this movie. And I uh, agree. she's going to get for, a lot of work off this movie. I would hope so. For those well, who don't know, Marina Baccarin is her name. Yeah. She's in the Deadpool movies. Yeah. Um, she's very, very good, especially her one tender scene with her dad, Scott Glenn, who, who has a nice cameo in this film as well. Um, Chuck, there's not many bad things I'd say about this movie. Uh, I think I think it cheats a little bit at the end. Um, but to me, and I texted this to you, this is Miracle Mile meets Deep Impact. And I had the same feeling in Miracle Mile that I did with this is it's just a, a, a two hours of dread like this family is doomed and there's no way they're going to get out of this. And I really um, on that level, I thought it was done very well. Now, for those looking for a Gerard Butler slam bang action movie, Angel is, you know, literally fallen. You're not going to get that. This is actually it a also, grounded it role also, for him. It also, before I expand on my thoughts here, it also borrows from an, an, uh, seriously from another theme that was used in San Andreas and James Cameron first used it in The Abyss, that estranged couple that... Broken family, yeah. Yeah, I always felt that that concept where in The Abyss, especially, you know, you look at the, a movie like The Abyss, is that, that classic line when he says, what a bitch, and then the guy says to Ed Harris, well, I guess you shouldn't have married her. And, <laughs> and, and you, couldn't, you couldn't start... Uh, a character development of two people being having a dislike more than that. And ultimately they reunite and realize that they're deeply in love because of a circumstance that reunites them. This movie plays very much in a similar territory, but what did surprise me about this couple things I just want to point out. I didn't really know much about it going in other than I knew the plot line and it's, it sort of threw me a little because I did not expect it to be one is raw Mm -hmm. Two is serious, well. and it very felt well. very real. What, what I liked about the movie, ultimately, is that I felt like I knew these people and I cared about them. Uh, I, I was invested in their in their plight, and that, and that is a really good thing. So when the movie ended, especially the next day, I thought about it. Like it, I had a lot of – that's always a good feeling. I woke up, I, and I thought about what I watched. Now, when I was initially watching it, the, the, there's a plot point where – with, which they borrow somewhat from deep impact, except it's not explained initially as well because it sort of just you just happens. With, which is the, the government get chosen and all the that. Government reaches out yeah. to certain people who have certain occupations, like a doctor or he's a builder, and choose them to go to Greenland because ultimately this might be a worst case scenario than the government is initially letting on. Fair and enough. it's done very well, too. It's very creepy on how they reveal on, you know, how he gets chosen and certain families don't get chosen. Right. Um, and, it, and it also and it also dwells in a very pretty realistic way 
of the creepiness of when the world breaks down and what people will do to survive. Yeah, it, it doesn't. This is not a cookie cutter, big budget studio mainstream movie. It is a, what they call a, a, a midland budget, meaning they probably spent thirty five, forty million dollars. It's not a cheap production by any means, but it's not a two hundred million dollar Marvel movie. No. And yeah, so, so it's rawness and realism. Uh, is a very pleasant surprise. I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, when I'm watching it, I'm saying, this feels almost like, like a a a, a big movie with 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 an independent thread running throughout its running time. It it almost is like you know when conceptually they came down with the concept and they had the director from Angel Has Fallen and Gerard Butler back together again with this script, mm-hmm. and then when they actually opened up the script. They were like, oh, this is not what we expected. Well, listen, listen, this is a lot of the tone is obviously the director's choice to to tone it the way he toned it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he could have did it a a lot of different ways. He chose to make something that uh, is very much adult oriented. I mean, I could see this movie would play well in art house theaters. It would. It would. And that's what that's that miracle mile feel I got out of it, too. Yeah, it's very intimate. You're only dealing with this family. But on a grand scope, you get pieces of the of the of the scope of the world around them. um, But you're really dealing with this family. And there's a couple of plot points I thought they would get bogged down in. And they never did with the kid being a diabetic. I thought this was going to be this is really going to, you know, mix up the pacing in this movie. They never get bogged down on it. He gets the insulin and they move on and they just go through these different scenarios that they have to get through to a, get back together and then B ultimately try to survive. Um, It's uh, it's pleasantly paced. And like I said, outside of the denouement, I I really enjoyed the film um, and I really enjoyed the performances of the two leads. I I agree. I agree. I I, listen. He was good. He was really good in this movie, but I got to tell you, the director put a lot of trust in her because if you if there's moments in the film where he's off screen for 15 minutes yeah, in a he, pop, right? He, that is true. He so, and, 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 and I and I and that was a little bit also uh, different. It's not like oh here's Dwayne Johnson and well even though San Andreas he was off screen somewhat because the daughter was really good in that movie, but she does really good work. I was I was impressed and she's gonna get she's gonna get work off this movie. And I was, and I did like her in Deadpool too. It's not like I've seen her and I'm like, who is this girl? She so was I in Gotham. She was that- in Gotham, and if you know, you know, remember the, the ABC did a remake of V. She that's right, the Diana character. Yeah, she's the, that's the right, alien, yes. the main alien. So um, we both like Greenland, and and, and she's married I- to ben- Benjamin McKenzie in real life, by the way. Who oh, was on from the OC. Gotham. No. Yeah, in Gotham. Yeah. Awesome, and the director, like I said, uh, who had done, he's a former stuntman. He did do Angels Fallen, and yeah, did, to me, he did that- good work. That movie was better than it should have been, actually. Um, so, uh, all right. So maybe Gerard Butler, there's hope after all, Chuck. Um, you know, I don't know what his plans are for his next movie, how many things can fall. Um, but he does have a lot in post-production. So we'll see <laughs> what he does. So uh, so an example of a bad disaster movie would be Geostorm. Yes. Gerard Butler. Right. Yes. Real bad. Yes. Very bad. Example of a pretty good disaster movie would be Greenland. And I wonder how this would have played, Chuck, um, middle of the summer. I don't know. I was thinking about that. You know, it, it, main, the, the pure mainstream who's just going there for explosion after explosion. I, I somewhat have dug it, but I think it also would have polarized some people, this movie, a little bit. No? And, and I wish the makers and producers of Skyscraper would have watched this movie oh, first. Oh, I agree with that. I listen. Then, 
and you then know, I'm glad you said that because uh, in my smoothie shop, you know, we play certain movies on a daily basis. I've been playing the Towering Inferno once a day, and that, I I was thinking about Skyscraper when I was watching Italian Inferno. Like Italian Inferno is a great movie, and Skyscraper is uh, it's it's a cartoon. It is a cartoon. It's schlock right. is what it is. Yeah, it ends up being really it, be, be, par, poor in comparison. I mean, I, I mean, I don't remember Steve McQueen punching the building and putting a fire out, did you? <laughs> I don't. I don't. No. Um, he actually did something in a little bit more of a grounded way. So let me ask you this. Would that yeah. movie have been worth $20, not $6? It's funny how that no, psychological. I don't know if any movie's worth 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm true. being honest. I- well, unless you're watching it with the family, I guess. Uh, yeah, way- but you know what? The person who pushes I'm to, here's another psychological point. The person who who clicks the button to buy, they feel like they're spending. They're spending the twenty bucks. Yeah. I don't does. I know that's a theory with pay per view wrestling and boxing and you know, but I guess, I think I, I like to know the breakdown because like we said, when you go through the list of what's streaming, what you could buy, a VOD, I mean this stuff ninety percent of it I've never heard of. Yeah. Why would I buy something I've never heard of? Well, one of those movies I did, uh, I didn't have to buy. It was on HBO. But when Max. you got all these streaming services like HBO, now HBO Max has got such a great library of movies. Yeah. Why do I need to buy something I never heard of for five bucks? I don't. When get I could it. just watch a bunch of stuff on HBO Max. I did get a chance to sit down and watch Judas and the Black Messiah, which has done well. But yeah. I got to be honest with you, Chuck. I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing anything new I haven't seen in the past here. Okay. Uh, uh, but it, it, it is an impressive subject matter. Um, there's good performances in it, but at the same time, it's very preachy. And um, I, I just, to me, it, there's nothing uh, astronomically new about it. Although it's getting rave reviews as you know, and I did start watching nomad land. It's on Hulu for free actually. Um, and the first 20 minutes has really captured me. I, I just couldn't, I had to, you know, one of the beauties of streaming at home, Chuck is you can stop. And, and do something else, but I'm really you into like that, that movie so far. Is that uh, really the way we should watch movies? Well, uh, hey, as long as it gets watched, isn't I that the goal? So. Uh, yeah. Chuck, I, I want to ask you about a couple movie previews, um, and one we talked a little bit about via text, and that's the uh, preview for Zack Snyder's The Justice League. We haven't gotten a chance to really talk about it on the show. Um, watching what I saw and and hearing the rumors that you had heard. There's an awful lot of footage from the movies that we've seen that seems like that's going to be in this movie. It's not going to be all. It just Zach seems Snyder hard to believe. It seems hard to believe that he he shot enough footage to do a four hour edit with completely all new footage. It just, it just it seems ridiculous. It does. And watching the preview, there's a lot of stuff in there. I know I've seen. But there's also a lot of stuff like the, there's a Batman dream sequence and the, and they got they they got the the, the uh, Jared Leto's Joker for you know thirty seconds. Um, you know, it's very the, the, the dichotomy between visions of Zack Snyder, what he wanted to do and what ultimately what Josh Whedon did. It's a completely different world. Absolutely. I, um, I'm excited to see it, though. I got to be honest with you. Like, I want to see it. And I, I it's going to draw subscribership to HBO Max. There's no doubt. No, it should. Yeah. I, I, yeah, definitely. It, Would it you should. see this in a theater if it played at four hours? No, 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 yes. I wouldn't. No, you could. I mean, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Um, I could see you I'd, doing it. I'd have to be a private screening that I develop at my theater with a handful of buddies. I, I could do it, but um, going to a multiplex, I don't. I don't know. Four Chuck, hours, I don't know if you got to see this other preview I watched. Um, yeah, the Cruella preview. Yeah, I watched it. Um, let me ask you this now. Yeah. This who is this movie for? I will ask you that because this this preview plays like the Joker preview 
uh, an origin yeah. story for Cruella, the, you know, the, the the villain. I mean, it is carbon copy of the Joker preview from uh, from uh, Joaquin. I Phoenix. agree with you. I you, you you they might might scare kids. Yeah, who is this movie for? I good, mean, good question. Is it is it R? Because it looks like an R-rated no, movie. It's not. It's not it's Disney. Yeah, but still, it, it, the I preview agree. is very deceptive, and and it, it just is like this is Joker. They're using a, a an old song too, and and the quick cuts and. It ends with the date on it. I it just I don't know, Chuck. I I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me want to go see it. You? No. I. By the way, full disclosure: Chuck had not eaten lunch before this uh, <laughs> this show. Are you okay? Are you, I'm you, fine. Are you, you diabetic? You, you got to get your sugar in you. What are you doing? Are you got to eat right now while we're doing the show? <laughs> um, no. Let's. Talk about some. Movie I just foods. made three strawberry milkshakes. I, I, I own an ice cream parlor. I was I was helping out with my wife. Chuck, uh, let's talk yeah. about some uh, movie news here. It looks like Ghostbusters got a rating, and though it's PG thirteen, it's coming out November eleventh, twenty twenty one. All right, so that that must be a good sign if they're going to put a rating on a movie. It must mean it's coming out soon, right? I think so. Listen, I was just uh, reading an article by a, a doctor at, at I don't know what institution he was at or college. Um, he said. That a lot. Of, this is what he said. Again, take it with a grain of salt. But he said that even though a lot of other doctors are not going to follow suit because they don't want people to get uh, lax Too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. But, but he says that COVID, in his opinion, for the most part, will be over by April. And the reason he said that is because one, the vaccinations are going to start to catch up. But he believes a majority of people have had COVID, whether they know it or not. And he right. just feels that, that if you look, the cases since December are set down 79%. So we're going in the right direction. Yeah, we are. Um, I think and- by summer this is going to be. Now, the question is, is the, while I do believe the cases will fall like a rock, I do believe that because I do believe people who had it and some people still getting it and the vaccination is going up and up on a, on a weekly and you know daily, weekly, monthly basis. But the psychology, like we said last week, will people you know, jam a movie theater to watch a blockbuster elbow to elbow? That, you know, that's going to take a little time. Having said that, I think you can get 50% of people in the theaters. I do. Yeah, yeah. We've got 40% in my theaters now. And, uh, and What uh, are they going, though? Like, like, do, like how many people? Like I, 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 let's put I it this way. You, I could tell you this. I don't think the, there's our, any sold-out theaters. Let's put no, it that way. Our theater is drawing you know, a handful of people. I know I know people who've gone to multiplexes in New Jersey and they tell me they go there and it's one, two, dead. three people yeah. They're dead. Yeah. Well, uh, Chuck, other movie news I have here. It looks like Mission Impossible 2 has scrapped the plans of going back to back. They're not going to do seven and eight back to back, which I was ambitious to begin with, let alone with a with a pandemic. But uh, let's get one in the can and then worry about eight. Well, the reason they're doing that. Uh, which makes sense is that Cruz has got to do promotion for uh, Maverick Top Gun, which comes out in July. So they can't logistically do them back to back. Now, obviously doing them back to back saves the studio some money. I don't think there's any issue with like, you know, cold feet where Paramount's saying, oh, you know, each one of these films, I guarantee you, Mike, those films cost a minimum of 200 million a piece. Oh, and I guarantee those films need to come out in movie theaters too. So yeah, they need to come out worldwide in, in movie theaters. And, you know, by the way, in Greenland did, was released overseas in theaters and it made like $37 million overseas. So, you know, um, Mission Impossible 7, you know, did a good job bucking the trend. 
filming through the pandemic. It is now in the can. It's in post-production. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's neither here nor there is the fact that uh, seven and eight are not going to be shot uh, back to back. I guess the question is, again, like we just said, uh, with Ghostbusters Afterlife, will um, Maverick Top Gun 2 get its July release date? I don't know. Yeah, that's what we're waiting on. Uh, and I saw one other note. Jennifer Garner looks like she's tying her, her coattails to Netflix. She's got a new movie coming out called Yes Day. She just signed on to do a uh, body switch comedy um, called body Family. Switch. We haven't seen yeah. one of those in years, huh? No, uh, it's called Family Leave, uh, based on a book. Uh, now, with 13 going on 30 wasn't quite a body switch, but it was kind of like one. Because yeah, she was I love that movie, by the way. Um, I know you do, and I know you yep. like her. Um, I just wanted to see her get work. I honestly don't care wh- what. I actually like the I like the Zac Efron uh, Matthew. Uh, yeah, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. That was, that was, uh, good. was I, that I enjoyed 18 it. again, right? 18 again. Yeah. Matthew. What's his name uh, from Friends? Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, right? He needs to check in, make sure he's. Uh, I forgot his last name. Yeah, I haven't. No, I'm just somebody. Somebody. <laughs> somebody needs to make sure he's OK. Um, we haven't seen him in a while since the odd couple, which was a yeah. disaster. Um, that's well, all I have is movie news. Chuck, what do you have as movie news? I have. Uh, did you hear that uh, Netflix has ordered a uh, Adam family, sort of an Adam family series title Wednesday that's going to be directed and produced by Tim Burton's going to focus on the character of Wednesday at a college. I actually like the con- I like the concept because instead of just doing the Adams family fish out of water here again. Now, yeah. Yeah. Just focus on one character and could it's work. a good character. It, I think it could work. I mean, Tim Burton, obviously, you know, we always say this about anything quirky. He could be the right guy, but um, we'll, we'll see how this one uh plays out and i i don't think you're gonna have this in birthdays i just want to point out that lee marvin was born this week 1924 and i started to think about his pairing with chuck norris in the delta force you know we're both fans of that movie has one of those great scores that make you feel like going into battle um but i remember back in the day that movie was released in 1986 producers wanted very much uh the pairing of charles uh of chuck norris and charles bronson for some reason, Bronson, even though he was attached to Canon Studios, he wouldn't do it or they couldn't get him. And they went with Lee Marvin and Lee Marvin and Chuck Norris were pretty awesome in that movie. And then Marvin Great pairing. had a heart attack a year later. And then uh, and then Chuck would do uh, a second Delta Force. But, um, yeah, that's a great pairing um, to me. And he's not part of the Fast Five, but I did notice it was his birthday. He's a dirty dozen to me. I'm mean, every time dirty I, dozen. Yeah, that movie's just so good. They don't make actors. Let's be honest. They don't. They're certain, chiseled like chiseled. Like they don't. Anyway, there was a movie I remember. My parents, when I was really young, took me to see in the, in the 70s, the Emperor of the North Pole with Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine. Uh, Lee Marvin played a hobo on a train. And then Borgnine played this train conductor who was a, the villain in the movie. That was a really good movie. Yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, um, really good movie. I'm trying to think who who's the equivalency of that now. I mean, I, you know, like Liam Neeson and a Harrison Ford. They're getting up there in years now. So different, though. It's just totally different. Totally. He's he's more of a character-driven action hero than, than, than those two guys are. So, um, yeah. Well, we could just segue right into Fast Five if you'd like, Chuck. Because Let's I go. Let's do I'm ready, it. Mike. I got all the and time let's in the start, world here. Let's start with the man who just turned 94 today on a Saturday, the 20th, and that's Sidney Poitier. Uh, the, the, Sydney, obviously the first 
um, male actor to win an Academy Award, uh, African-American male actor to win Academy Awards for Lilies in the Field. Um, to me, um, it's in the heat of the night is the first thing I think of. Yeah. And they call me Mr. Tibbs. He also directed a few movies, too. Um, I think he did Stir Crazy, right? I think he was the director of that movie. Yeah, he uh, he directed he Stir was. Crazy. Yeah, he also directed Ghost Dad. But let's not get into that. Um, you know, when you think Sidney Poitier, do you do you think wh- what do you think of? I think in the movies you just uh... <laughs> now, what did you what think about, of his Blackboard um... Jungle, right? Yep. Blackboard Jungle. Yep, that one, one too. too. Yep. What do you think of his 80s comeback years? Like I, I enjoyed I, Shoot I, to I, Kill. I, I, yeah, I mean, he listen, the guy is personified class. He had one of those majestic ways of speaking in a unique, fascinating, gotta watch this guy on the screen, screen presence. Uh, that was that was a nice comeback he did in the 80s. Maybe nothing was a home run, but he always Solid doubles off the wall. Like yes, I, the, I agree. Shoot the Kill is a good movie with Tom Berenger um, and uh, Kirstie Alley. And he's yeah. good in sneakers, too, with that all-star yeah. cast. Yeah. He, he had some stuff to that, too. Um, and he did make a couple of movies with Bill Cosby. I'm afraid m- nobody will watch ever again um, because of the. Well, anyway, we'll move on to Miles Teller, Chuck, a young actor. I know he's hit or miss with you, but most of the time I love the work he does. Um, obviously, Whiplash is the easy one, which that's the easy one. As and much as the J.K. Fi- Sim- the, Simmons was the, praised the, the, in the, that, the I, which I, we both talk about. I, as much as J.K. Simmons is praised in that, I think he's just as good in that movie. I too. agree. He's um, also is in not a Maverick Top Gun. He is. And I enjoyed yeah. the spectacular now. I think he's very good in that. And he was in that only the brave, too. I know you love a fan that movie. The, he's I, very I, good. Let me let's bring up this topic. Uh, that fantastic for. Yeah. Re, 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 yeah, re, I, I, yeah. Let me just talk about this for a second. I remember why I remember going to a multiplex uh, on an afternoon and watching that. It was me and my wife and daughter. Right. So I'm watching it and I'm, I'm like, I didn't think it was bad as much as. And the cast is really good. It's a better cast than the other Fantastic Four. It's a really good cast. It has some interesting elements. It was not, it did not bore me. It did not bore me. But it felt like, why am I watching an Odd House version of the Fantastic Four? There is zero scope in that. There's like no scope. Whatever budget he had, I don't know. He must have like spent it on the catering bill. Josh Trank, had all sorts of issues, that director. Uh, Yeah. And and unnecessary. Weird movie. Too soon after the other movies, too. I mean, it's just like, did, but it has no scope. It's like it's, yeah. it's like it's like an odd house version of a superhero movie, and uh, no real villain in it either. Too um, as much as I like that actor Toby Kebbell, who's who's really good in Servant right now. I mean, they they needed somebody a little bit more uh, Doctor Doomish for me. Yeah, um, Drew Barrymore, Chuck, very 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 appealing actress. How old do you think Drew Barrymore is? Now, it seems like we've known her forever because we have basically. Uh, 41. She's 46, which is okay. still I cannot believe she's that young. I, I uh, wanted to pick younger because she doesn't feel yeah. 46. So, all right. Drew Barrymore. I mean, you, got, you, got, you got Gertie and E.T. Obviously, that's what elevated. Uh, and then she did Firestarter, a movie we don't like. I don't like Firestarter. Ouch, it's, yeah. it's a bad movie. That's a movie. Uh, you know, she did pairings with Adam Sandler. A lot of fun. Obviously, she made a lot of money starring and producing and cultivating the, the Charlie's angels, those two movies. Right. Uh, I like, I like, I like, uh, I, I like, certainly like the first Charlie's angels. Uh, and I never been kissed is maybe my favorite movie by her where she goes back to high school. Right. That movie's done very well. What'd you think of her in uh, Batman forever as sugar? Did you enjoy that? Uh, 
<laughs> I never. I, I, she must have did that as a favor. Yeah, Her and Debbie Mazar. Debbie Mazar, right? Mazar, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never understood why she was in that movie. She's too big a name. What, like she's doing. Uh, this weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you watch a talk show at all? I, I don't. No, I, I, I have seen some, some clips of it, but sometime, I don't really. I'm never home. When I'm at the gym, it's on with the. Sound You're at the off. gym. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do there? Uh, not, what do you sell? I, not what do you sell? Milkshakes. Girl Scout. That's for sure. What do you sell? Girl Scout cookies for your daughter there? Yeah. Or what's the story? Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Daniels is. By the way, let me ask you a question. You know who makes the greatest milkshake of all time? Myself. You'll tell us. Myself. Cole yeah. Guinness. I should be in the book of records, but go ahead. Um, I, Jeff I Daniels is 66. I know he is. Um, great actor. He's been in so many good things. That newsroom clip. Oh, boy. Really is, good. And you can watch on YouTube. When, when the girl says, is America the greatest country? I mean, that, is there, it's great. He's stuff. a hell of an actor. You know, arachnophobia is a really a fun movie. He was sold it in 1990, well sold as a thrillomedy. Didn't do the box office that Touchstone Disney wanted. But John Goodman is the exterminator. He's really good in that film. Uh, my daughter and I just rewatched that. My daughter yeah, what do you really think? enjoyed uh, Jeff. It Daniels was fun. That, movie. that yeah. movie's fun. Yeah. Uh, he, here's the thing. He, he, interesting footnote. He actually, I believe, he was offered the, the Dr. Alan Grant role in Jurassic Park and turned it down. Mm. Interesting, but not that. Uh, so was Sam, William Hurt. So was William Hurt. Let's and face it, Sam, though, it's not like Sam Neill took that role and then and, and and turned it into superstardom. So it's not who knows. No, what but happened. he is. The, I mean, again, it's revisionist history. Hey, listen, Jeff Daniels would have been good. Well, Jeff Daniels, the guy's I mean, really good. I mean, he go, go all the way back to Terms of Endearment. He's very good in that movie. He's, uh, he's a heck of an actor. And he's not a very likable guy in that movie, but he's still very good in it. Um, and he's about, been doing you know, And last year he did uh, Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway, and they did it in Central Park. And he can do comedy, too, hence the Dumb and Dumber movies. Um, yeah. And, Hell and, yeah. D listen, Dumb and Dumber doesn't get funnier than that. His no, that for he, original. He, let me tell you, I don't think I laughed as much as in a movie theater as when he picks up that snowball and rails it into Lauren Holly's face. <laughs> that scene is hysterical um, and perfectly cast. Well, smart move by Jean de Bont casting him in speed as well as the would be, you know, partner in that movie. It's a throwaway yeah. part. He, but he, a throwaway so part and he gets off. Uh, you know, he gets doesn't last too long. No, but he's very good in that and smart to cast a guy like that in that role. Yep. Last but certainly not least, Benicio Del Toro, Chuck, is uh, is 64 years old. Um, another very appealing actor. He won an Oscar for Traffic, which he's very, very good in as the drug lord. But to me, it's the mumbler, Fenster, in The Usual Suspects. Uh, I think he's very funny in that movie, and uh, that's what I always think of him. Um, now, he's been in smaller roles in, in The Last Jedi. He plays that DJ guy. He, he yeah. Almost, yeah. You almost miss him in that. Is there is there a Benicio Del Toro role? He's good. Like this guy's just like uh, he's just good. You know what else? He's good at Sicario. He's really good in that movie. Yeah, too. he's really good in that. That's a great movie, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so that's your fast five, Chuck. OK, he did good. Thank you. Um, and then you threw in Lee Marvin for the fast. I six. just want to point out before we run out of time. Um, I don't know if we could find some some airtime for Beyond the Poseidon Adventure this week. Well, I don't know if it was one of the best uh, movies of 2001. Maybe no, it's it came out in 79. Uh, that's too bad. Um, they didn't re-release it in 2001. Try to get a, you know, a, a big push. You know, hard to believe next year and all seriousness. 50th anniversary of the Poseidon Adventure. You realize that? That's scary. 
It is scary, actually. Yeah. You, you think they might think about doing a re-release? Why not? Come on. Well, because there's a backload of movies they need to get in theaters. They're not worried about the You don't think this generation adventure. would love watching the Poseidon Adventure on a big screen? I think they would. Well, I know somebody that owns a movie theater. Just put it I'm on. Li- I, I will if they allow me. I mean, since Disney bought Fox, we're not allowed. They, they, they won't license the rights anymore. Well, no. It, Horrible. That's too bad, actually. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Let's uh, let's dive into our top 10 movies from 2001. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary of these movies, of course. And you and I both, uh, full disclosure, before we started this, both admit, very light year. Um, there's some good titles in there. I pick movies I liked. That, well, that's the idea of this uh, top 10 list, Chuck. You don't want to pick. Well, if I had to like. pick like critically acclaimed darlings, it'd be hard. I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, it would be hard. Although I will say the best picture of the year is my favorite movie of the year. That doesn't happen a lot. OK, yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. But it happened this year. All right, Chuck, I'm going to give you my 10 through one and uh, 10 through six. OK, and you let me know what you think. OK, yeah, now really yeah. listen and let me know what you think. OK, don't screw around here. I'm, I'm tired of you not listening to me. Yeah. Number 10, uh, I had to put Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings in there, too. Just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that series, but I remember seeing that one. I was impressed by it. It, it is grand in scope and it's so well done. Um, I just wish he would have went to the editing room a couple more times with these movies. I don't need to dedicate nine hours of my life to one series of movies. But Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Rings is my number 10. My number nine, very light and fluffy and star making turn by Reese Witherspoon, Legally Blonde. Um, I think that's a very, very funny movie. And of course, she she turned into superstardom because of that movie. Yeah. Num- number eight, smaller film, but a very gritty and very, very good action movie called Joyride, which stars Paul Walker. And yeah, I like that uh, one. And uh, Steve Zahn about a trucker. Um, you know, we've seen this genre before. Um, trucker terrorizing three teenagers. But this is done very, very well. That's my number eight. Super scary. Number seven. Great turn by Nicole Kidman. Uh, the Others. I love that. One of the best ghost movies ever made. Uh, great movie there. And my number six is Donnie Darko with um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as a, just being terrorized by a killer bunny that has uh, gone on to cult status. And uh, it's just a really um, infamy, this movie, Chuck. And uh, I just remember seeing it, though. And I, I'm not, I saw it after the hype and like, all right, what's this movie all about? And it really creeped me out and it's done very well. Uh, so Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Legally Blonde, Joyride, The Others, and Donnie Darko, very eclectic kind of list. Yeah, there's only one on my uh, in, in, in my 10 through uh, six on your list. Here's my my number 10. Uh, I went with Vanilla Sky, which was the uh, second pairing of uh, Cameron Crowe and Tom Cruise. It's a thought provoking, interesting movie that is different. And it was also polarizing. It, it divided. Very polarizing. It, and it, it came out right around 9-11, too. It got hurt. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Diaz is really good in the film, and it deals with some interesting subjects. I, I don't – there was something about it that I, I liked it. It made me want to watch it more than one time. Number it's nine on my list, actually. So number nine is Legally Blonde. Uh, it's a really fun movie, and you could tell she had the makings of a major. And she's going to play that part again. I know. For a paycheck. Yeah, well, let me tell you this. Legally Blonde 2 is one of the top 10 worst sequels of all time. So as much as we praise this movie, they went to the well again, and that movie was just awful. Number eight for me, uh, Black Hawk Down, uh, Ridley Scott. Great movie. Uh, One word, very intense. Well, that's two words. Very intense. (laughs) Uh, You sweat bullets watching that one. You really do. That is a good movie. Number seven. How about A Knight's Tale? Heath Ledger. It's a lot of fun. 
And you know what? Um, Made him a star, really. Shannon Sossaman, the female lead. I, I found her tremendously appealing. Had yeah, a, she was on a TV a, show, wasn't she? Was she on a TV show? Yeah, I, she, I think she had some issues in, in real. She had issues uh, in, in real life that altered her career trajectory. But I liked her a lot in that film. And, and number six, listen, it's not going to win any Oscars. But when it came on cable, I've watched it so many times. It, I just like is, is behind enemy lines with with Owen Wilson. And, it's a good movie. And Gene Hackman. You know, again, it's not going to be on many critics list of top ten, but. Of movies I liked that year, I liked that one a lot. Yeah, and I have a hard to believe the director John Moore uh, got Die Hard Five and made it awful. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, that movies. Well, I don't even want to talk about. I don't even want to talk about Die Hard. No, five. not uh, what's which one's that? Is that Live Free Die Hard? No, that's not Live Free Die Hard. That's, that's four. A, die, uh, die and Die Again. What, what's this one? No, yeah. <laughs> good day to die. What is good it called? Day to, good, good day to die. Yeah. Uh. No, it's not. <laughs> uh. All right, uh, Chuck, my number five is probably higher on your list because I know you're a big fan of this movie, and that's the Robert Redford um, action movie called The Last Castle. That's my own number five, too. Uh, Rod uh, Lurie, a great movie, Chuck, uh, and uh, good villain, too, James Gandolfini. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, you get to see him for the first great time. Score. In that was, uh, that, and that, that was uh, the director of that movie was uh, the, the film critic for, I believe, the Los Angeles uh, I think in the Los Angeles Times, Rod Lurie. Yeah, Rod Lurie. And, and then Rod Lurie got a shot. He directed a handful of movies. I like his work. I actually love this film. I love and the ending to this movie, too. I, it's, 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 it's a moving movie. Uh, and, and Redford, you know, he's at that stage in his life. He's not a young man. He's not old, old man. But it's sort of like, like he's reinventing, trying to reinvent himself and still getting star billing. This movie came out after 9-11, it did not. It bombed at the box office. They had to go back in and CGI the flag because in the movie, one of the plot points is to hang the flag backwards, upside yeah. down. I mean, right? It's a yeah. sign. It's a sign for distress. something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sign for mm-hmm. distress. So they didn't want to be disrespectful for the flag, so they went in and CGI it right side up. Uh, when it, then when the movie came out, so, it still works though because it's a really good ending. And I will say, you know, as much as people praise James Gandolfini, I think this is probably one of his lost. Um, yeah, because he's playing against type. He is. He's not playing you know, some Goomba. He's a he's, villain, but he's also, you know, he's a complicated. He's a Ray, Ray, it's more with the mind than, than anything else. And here's the thing. You know, when you see Robert Redford, there's a scene where he's lifting rocks and he, he takes his shirt off. Guy was in phenomenal shape. Mike. Yeah, still in good shape and still yeah. captures the, 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 the screen presence, too, that he always had. Um, and it wasn't like he was making movies left and right that people were like, I got to go see a Robert Redford movie at that time, Chuck. And I just want to point out, if people listening to us have never seen The Last Castle, get it. Yeah. Watch it. You'll be surprised. It's really good. Well, that's why I like doing these lists and, and recapping years is because there's a lot of lost movies uh, like a like Joyride or, or uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, even uh, Behind Enemy Lines. As you hear a title like that, and you're like, I never saw that. Let me uh, go back and take a look at it. Uh, Chuck. Uh, that was your number five. Yes. My number four was the Spielberg um, much, much maligned and much confusing um, response. That's my number, that's my number three. Uh, AI, uh, yeah. artificial intelligence. This movie is highly underrated at the time. Uh, you know, he he took over Stanley Kubrick. He, he wanted it was a passion. Right. Now, say, now that, that's the reason it's not really a Spielberg film. It's He's not. channeling. Stanley Kubrick, right? Yeah, and, he is. Hands and I down. I think he does a wonderful job. Yes, he does. Great performance by Haley Joel Osment. Yep. Right off what of a child season. actor. What a child actor. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about Jude Law. He's very good. Yeah, and Teddy the Bear is a pretty good Chuck, character. 
the the heart wrenching last twenty minutes of this film are really touching between the mother and uh, the robot too, and what this you know robot wants to do is uh, become a boy. Um, and uh, to lesser effect, Bicentennial Man was a total disaster by Robin Williams. Yeah. This one totally works um and it has a great score by john williams and it has some eerie scenes uh of uh new york city in the future as well too and that came out again right around and it deals with the themes of pinocchio it does yeah it does and um i I think it's just so well done and so underseen for a spielberg movie um well look the pacing's a little off it is a little longer than it needs to be it's very adult oriented it it is it's it's a thought-provoking movie it's just not it's just not a this is really not a big mainstream, uh, you know, typical Spielberg blockbuster. It's it's Spielberg channeling Stanley Kubrick in a sci-fi, thought-provoking movie that has um, a lot of adult thread running through it. And great visuals, too. Let's yes. face it. I mean, it's, it's great, very well done. And, you know, all due respect to Seth MacFarlane, there really was only one speaking teddy bear, Chuck, and that's the teddy in this film. Teddy's um, really good character. Very good character in this movie and very well, uh, uh, good narration by Anthony Hopkins, too. So that's uh, my number four. Uh, my number four is Training Day. Denzel Washington and uh, Ethan Hawke, Anton Fugna's movie, which uh, garnered Denzel Washington Best Actor. Oscar, as good as Denzel is, you know, a lot of kudos in, in inside the industry knows that Ethan Hawke is a really good talent, and he's lasted a very, very long time yeah, he's very as an actor. Uh, he never, he never sold himself out no. for the money. He really and, never did. And let's face it, this is really Denzel's only foray into really being a villain here, Chuck. He, I think he's done it. I, I think he's done it before, but this is he's he's a really he's really menacing in this movie. He is. I liked it. Didn't love that film, but I did yeah. like it, and I loved his performance in it as well. Uh, it barely missed my list, um, but it's a good pick. My number three is Vanilla Sky, uh, okay. the Cameron Crowe movie. Uh, I love the themes of this film about, Chuck, the decisions you make in life mm-hmm. and, and, and what they could mean and the repercussions of making one poor decision could change the scope of your entire life and uh to get that second chance to get it back what would you do um and tom cruise he finds a way as much as i don't find him he's you know when you ask me to list my 10 favorite actors he'll never be on it but for some way he finds a way to make movies that and i don't think if he given the chance to make a movie like this now i don't think he would do it maybe not do is crank out i mean they're good crank outs you know in the mission of pie he, he seems to just want to attach himself to the biggest paycheck possible. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not saying Cam- it's a bad, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because he, his, he puts a, a, a ton of effort in everything he does. And I think the, um, you talked about the polarizing nature of this film might've hurt Cameron Crowe's career. Cause at that point he was riding pretty high. Chuck. Yeah. It's interesting. And um, you know, we did, I, we build a zoo after that. And I know we we're both fans of that film, yeah. but, it was not to huge critical success. No, I get it. I get it. They, they wanted more out of him. And I think, you know, he's never regained the the uh, Jerry Maguire say anything's or or almost no, famous part of I his agree. career. I agree. Yeah. And this was the the access point on that. And I still think this is a very good movie. Yeah, and obviously too. is a top five of my year of the year. Um, and I like Kurt Russell's turn in this film, too. He's uh, got a nice role in this film. Yeah. Um, so you've, we found a way to get Gene Hackman. And Kurt Russell on our 10 best list. We did pretty good for a year in 2001 where they weren't really churning out a lot of movies back then. 
My number, uh, my number two, uh, I went with Baz Lerman's Moulin Rouge, which was nominated for, for Oscar for multiple uh, awards, including Best Picture. I found it tremendously entertaining to have Nicole Kidman and uh, Ewan McGregor, you know, singing an Elton John song. Yeah. I just found it very entertaining. It's it's a unique film, uh, and I like it a lot. So I put it. You as talk about you talk about movies um, like Vanilla Sky. Would they even make a movie like that today? Moulin Rouge. They would. It's make harder. harder. Moulin Rouge. They would make that. They would make yeah. that movie today ten times over. Um, popular songs, old songs, and a move updated movie. Uh, it's very appealing. Um, didn't make my list, obviously, but uh, I did enjoy the leads in it as well. Um, Good year for uh, Nicole Kidman. She did Moulin Rouge and yeah, the others in, that the is same, a good year. in the same year. And she's still going strong 20 still going years strong. later. Still right? going strong. My number two, Chuck, is the original Ocean's Eleven with uh, the all-star cast okay. of George Clooney, Brad Pitt. Uh, it brought me back to an elder time of movie making where you brought a bunch of actors together and you put them in a movie and you have a lot of fun in it. Uh, talk about movies they don't make anymore. It's like a cannibal run. It is like the cannibal run. What a much better Watch script. Two. And uh, and I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, you know, this movie was highly successful, Chuck. And if you want to knock Ocean's Eleven, I- I'll give you knocking. Ocean's I'm not 12. knocking it. I just I don't know. I just I don't know why you have a problem. With this movie It's yeah, got it a lot of style. It's got yeah. a lot of attitude and it's got yeah. a lot of fun in it and a great okay. cast. Um, what's your problem? What's your hang up? What, what I don't you know. know. Just been there. Cool done enough that. For it, maybe been. There in, uh, no, I don't. That's understand. not the case. Uh, but you, you might be the only person I know that doesn't like this film. I don't dislike it. It's just like, ah, it's not it's not going to be on my top five. That's for sure. Well, it's my number two. And uh, I enjoyed Ocean's 13. I thought that was done very well. Ocean's 12 is skip. I think we both have the same number one, though. We do have both have the same number one. And it's the best picture of that year, too. And it's beautiful the, mind. The only Oscar Ron Howard has won. And it's very well received as well because he's done a he does a wonderful job in this movie yes i know they caught a lot of slack chuck about you know he turns this real life story into a two-hour movie and he might have used some creative now uh, let me ask you a question did you envision 20 years later russell crowe would be doing a movie like unhinged you know i was thinking about that the other day it's like is yeah. this the yeah, same really guy is this i mean it's sad but true well, i would use the word sad uh well it's he just sad his, because his, he shouldn't his, be his, making movie like movies yeah. like unhinged Okay, he's better than that, and he. I don't disagree with you. Um, It is. It is interesting. It is, and uh, beautiful mind is so well done. Great score by James Horner as well. Good turn by uh, uh, Jennifer. By the way, I had a buddy send me a text since he said uh, you got to see Willie's Wonderland. It's one of the best things Nick Cage has ever done, and he doesn't speak in that one. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, we could talk about that, but we were talking about a beautiful mind. I mean, well, I'm just saying about I, actor, I don't think, you know who going down interesting paths. And, uh, yeah, but physically, um, yeah, at least Nicolas Cage looks somewhat like he did back. He did agree. Thirty years ago, Russell yeah. Crowe is almost doesn't look like Max. Uh, he doesn't look like Maximus anymore. Huh? Russell Crowe is the modern day Orson Welles. I mean, he's a guy who was a great leading man who just turned his body into something I just don't understand. Okay, um, but he can morph back into. He we've can seen him do it before. Good Jarrell. Um, he was a good Jarrell in a Man of Steel. He was, but this is really uh, this and Gladiator are the two movies that I mean, if you want to see how great I agree. this guy is. is I, mean, I agree. Um, the, some of the scenes he does with the little girl and Ed Harris in this film, mm-hmm. um, and, and Paul Bettany, great, great act. I mean, I like I was, the boxing movie you did with Ron Howard too, though. Yeah, that was good. The Gingerbread Man. That was a good yeah, I liked movie. It. Um, this movie, though, at the time, Chuck, in my life, I know I was going through some. Uh, you know, panic attacks at the time. And mm-hmm. it really, it spoke to me in a lot of ways too. And how the mind is a, 
you know, it is a beautiful mind, but boy, can it play tricks on you. Oh, and it's powerful. And it's powerful. And it has a powerful ending to this film. I agree. Um, And it was a well-deserving best picture uh, winner and nominee. And I was really happy for Ron Howard because there's a guy who put in his lumps and a lot of great movies that a lot of critics kind of scoffed at. And, and, you know, but he's really made a lot of great films. And then he finally um, won the best picture. All right, Chuck. My 10 best from 2001, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Legally Blonde, Joyride, The Others, Donnie Darko, The Last Castle, AI, Vanilla Sky, Ocean's Eleven, and A Beautiful Mind. Good list. My number 10, Vanilla Sky, number nine, Legally Blonde, number eight, Black Hawk Down, number seven, The Knight's Tale, Heath Ledger, number six, Behind Enemy Lines with Owen Wilson, number five, The Last Castle, number four, Training Day, number three, AI, number two, Moulin Rouge, number one, same as yours, a beautiful. Of all these movies, which one would you want to, when we're done here, go watch right now? Last Castle. I knew you were going to say that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I still want to go back and watch A Beautiful Mind again. I haven't watched it in a really long time, and I want to see if it holds I'd like to see Last Castle on a movie screen. It's not on Blu-ray, only DVD. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, can you stream it anywhere? Did you look? Is it on like I, Tubi or something like that? I don't Crackle. know. Is it on Crackle? By the way, Ruku's doing um, all the episodes of 24, by the way. Yeah, I have it on Hulu. Hulu does that. Hulu. Uh, I, you're more sophisticated. Yeah, than I, I have Hulu. I, what was okay. that one you said? <laughs> Ruku. Free. It's free. It's free. It's free. By the uh, way, in my ice cream parlor, I just got a 65-inch TV delivered Uh to put on the back wall. Nice. Uh, dang, yeah. Listen, ice cream's yeah. going well. Pandemic time, you're putting up 65 inch screens, and maybe you should put some seating in there and make it a movie. Theater. Oh, I have seating. I have seating. So you just I have a gotta, lot of big. I have a lot of big ideas for uh, this summer. Big uh, ideas. Let, let's hope. Uh, let's hope we get back to some normalcy then. And uh, by the way, I have started rewatching the 24. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't play as well when you binge watch. I will say that because a lot of the storylines is repeatable. <laughs> And uh, very soap operish, mm-hmm. but watching it week to week, it was a lot more effective than. Okay, it's very interesting. Back to back to back. Um, right. All right, Chuck, uh, that's another episode in the books. We'll do this all over again uh, next week, and we'll be another inch closer to spring and March. Always a pleasure, Mike, and to the audience. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
podcast by Federated Media. Podcast by Federated Media.